I keep rethinking where to start because I'm aware of the fact that I have um, several things that I surely want to show you and uh, uh, I'm aware of the fact that I won't be here for a month and then I'll be back again. Um, and aware also that we've been working on this periodic table of, uh, of uh, virtues and uh, I started out thinking we'd do one every week and then we sped up and did two and uh, if that's a speed it's not such a speed but anyway uh, and here we are on our fourth week and I'm thinking well maybe we should have an overview of all ten so we don't leave them hanging and I'll come back um, we'll see how that goes I wanted to tell, I, I, I wanted to uh, approach it from a couple of ways. I wanted to talk about uh, the renunciation, where, which is one of, the, one of those virtues that we talked about last week, and uh, thinking about whether renunciation, which seems not, uh, when you say, tell me a list of virtues, you think about things like honesty, well, that's a great, you know, truthfulness, that's a great virtue. And patience, that's a really, everybody heard of patience. And generosity, that's a great virtue. morality, we get that. Renunciation is kind of, ah, uh, you know, who thought about that? You know, you don't meet people, you say, what's your best virtue? They most often do not say, I can renounce. You know, that's a... But I was thinking this morning whether in some way, whether that isn't the most potent of the virtues. When we talked about the... Um, the wisdom of no complaint. Uh, uh, one of the things that uh, I think confuses people about renunciation is we often think of it as the renunciation of stuff, like becoming a monastic or uh, giving away things or uh, the idea of a life of simplicity, having less, renouncing stuff. I, I think that the, for myself, maybe the biggest renounce is renouncing the idea that I'm in charge and that things ought to go my way and really coming to terms with things are just the way they are, not the way I might want them to be. And if I recognize that and I'm all right with well, I have two choices with that. I get, what do you mean I'm all right with it? <laughs> Gertrude Stein, they tell a story about Gertrude Stein that when she was uh, dying, uh, and she, she was, among other things, a very uh, dramatically expressive woman, and uh, she is said to have said in one of her dying breaths to her assembled friends around her bed, including her doctor, uh, I accept the universe, to which her doctor said, Madam, you'd better. What is the alternative at that point? You know, that, uh, giving up, having things, uh, I accept, thank you. Uh, from time to time, I keep meaning to track this down, but there's some woman of great renown, although I think she was a teacher in a particular Japanese Zen lineage, but I don't know which one, who is said to have said as her dying breath, um, her dying death statement for which then Zen teachers are known for saving some very pithy teaching for the last second. She is said to have said... Um, Thank you very much. I have no complaints. <laughs> and what a wise thing that is. Think about when you're dying. You're going to die anyway. So you could either die with the complaints or without. And say, I have no complaints. You just say, this is how it is. To not have a problem with things that are, that are happening. And, uh, and, but, but to not have a problem and uh, not to be quiescent. To, to be hopeful and uh, courageous and take what you get and do something with it seems to me to be maybe the essence of uh, renouncing having it my way, so taking your cue from the cosmos. Say, okay, you want this now, you want that now, you want this now, you want that now. I adapt, I, I do what I, I can with it. Let me see if I want to read this now or the next one. <coughs> I'll read you a little bit of this, and then I'll tell you the story about why this egg is here. Uh, 
I started to tell you last week about Mingyur Rinpoche. Isn't this a great face? Is that a great face? Would that be, wouldn't that be comforting to sit with that person teaching you? Mingyur Rinpoche is one of the four sons of Urgu Tulku uh, Ergen, who uh, is no longer on this plane of existence. One of his brothers is Sokni Rinpoche, who's a somewhat more well-known name. Mingyur was the youngest son of Tulku Ergen, and uh, by the time he was 22, he had completed three three-year cloistered retreats of monastic training. So that's very serious training. Uh, and he's uh, since, and after that he came to the West, I think he went to Yale. He's very, uh, very uh, fluent in English and very well trained in Western and Eastern philosophy and science. Does a lot of work with the neuroscientists these days, trying to make the overlap between neuroscience insights and the insights of the Buddha about the end of suffering. And uh, this is uh, this particular article uh, is about his new book, Joyful Wisdom, which I just got. Uh, shows us how to discover that joy and awareness are not affected by lives up, ups and downs. So I'll read you just the beginning of this because it's, it's, it's something very um, uplifting about it. This is a, a recent, it's the May Shambhala Sun. Uh, when I'm teaching in front of large groups, he says, I often confront a rather embarrassing problem. My throat gets dry as I talk, so I tend to drain my glass of water pretty early on in the teaching session. Invariably, people notice that my glass is empty and they very kindly refill it. As I continue to speak, my throat gets dry, I drink the entire glass of water, and sooner or later someone refills my glass again. I go on talking and answering questions, and then someone refills my glass. After some time, usually before the teaching period is scheduled to end, I become aware of a rather uncomfortable feeling. And a thought crosses my mind, oh dear, there's an hour left for this session and I have to pee. <laughs> this is Mingyur Rinpoche in the Shambhala Sun thing. I have to pee. I talk a little bit more, answer some questions, I glance at my watch. Now there's 45 minutes left and I really have to pee. Half an hour passes and the urge to pee really becomes intense. Someone raises his hand and asks, what's the difference between pure awareness and conditioned awareness? <laughs> the, question, the question goes to the heart of the Buddha's teaching about the third noble truth. Often translated as the truth of secession, this third insight into the nature of experience tells us that various forms of suffering, that the various forms of suffering we experience can be brought to an end. But by now, I really, really have to pee. So I tell him, this is a great secret, which I'll tell you after a short break. <laughs> With all the dignity I can summon, I get up off the chair where I've been sitting, slowly pass through rows of people bowing, and finally get to a bathroom. Now... Peeing may not be anyone's idea of an enlightening experience, but I can tell you that once I empty my bladder, I recognize that the deep sense of relief I feel in that moment is a good analogy for the third noble truth, that relief was with me all the time as what you might call a basic condition. I just didn't recognize it because it was temporarily obscured by all that water. But afterward, I was able to recognize it and appreciate it. Is that really, is that dear? I mean, uh, the Buddha referred to this dilemma and somewhat, with a somewhat more dignified analogy <laughs> in which he compared this basic nature to the sun. Though it's always shining, the sun is often obscured by clouds. Yet we can really only see the clouds because the sun is illuminating them. In the same way, our basic nature is always present. It is, in fact, what allows us to discern even those things that obscure it, an insight that might be best understood by returning to the question raised just before I left for the bathroom. 
Actually, there's no great secret to understand the difference between pure awareness and conditioned awareness. They're both awareness, which might be roughly defined as the capacity to recognize, register, and catalog every moment of experience. He talks about a moment of clear experience, unproblematic, uh, pure awareness like a ball of crystal, colorless, capable of reflecting anything. What, if you looked at it and turned it around, you could see anything, trees or flowers or birds, even sky, whatever appears though, are only reflections. They don't really exist inside of the ball, the crystal, nor do they change its essence in any way. Suppose the crystal ball were wrapped in a piece of colored silk. Everything you saw reflected in it, whether you moved it around, carried it in different rooms, took it outside, would be shaded by the color of the silk. That's a fairly accurate description of conditioned awareness, a perspective colored by ignorance, desire, aversion, and a host of other obscurations. Yet these colored reflections are simply reflections. They don't alter the nature of that which reflects them. The crystal ball is essentially colorless. I'll skip a little bit. It's talking about, essentially, awareness is, um, pure awareness enables us to experience natural suffering, the relentless drama of self-created suffering, me versus you, mine versus yours, this feeling versus that feeling, good versus bad, pleasant versus unpleasant, desperate longing for change versus an equally frantic hope for permanence. The truth of secession is often described as a final release from fixation, craving, or thirst. However, while the term secession seems to imply something different or better than our present experience, it's actually a matter of acknowledging the potential already inherent within it. Simply put, the cause of the various diseases, upsets of the mind we experience the cause is the same, the cause of the diseases we experience is also the cure. The mind that grasps and makes all these passing obscurations seem real is the same mind that sets us free. That really, it's, a, it's, it's the presence or absence of grasping in the mind that takes these things, that all the things that come by this thought, that thought, this idea, that idea. He said everything is happening all the time, all those ideas. And to just know they're just ideas. That, and that very much the selection of which ideas am I going to look at? What am I going to choose? What, or, or am I going to remember that this is my mind doing its thing and essentially everything is okay? That doesn't mean that there aren't on the level of the realities that we all live the sadnesses that come up when we talked about all the people that were sick, this one's struggling, that one's struggling. That doesn't, it's so important not to say that on the level of significance that those don't matter. They're just temporal. What does it matter? They are temporal. But what we're talking about, and so are the feelings, sadness or dismay or disappointment or nostalgia or wishing, they're all temporal too but some of them are pleasant and some of them are unpleasant. To be able to have all of them and to rest with them, this is what human beings have. Currently I have to pee. Currently I'm sad. Currently this is going on. And not to frighten the mind with it, not to make an extra trouble about it. In fact, out of the awareness that everybody's got this whole drama going all the time, out of that awareness to really... Uh, I hope for me, at least, to develop more and more compassion for everybody else. One of the things I think about a lot in, um, you know, I, I like the experience of going, to, of being in uh, airline terminals. <laughs> First of all, I, I have been traveling a lot. N the next year, starting much less, but tomorrow, I am going to Europe. So there's a lot of going to, uh, a lot of being in airline terminals. And you see, you sit in a terminal, and people are going by. So, and and uh, I look at them, and I realize that everybody's got a complete, an entire universe 
in their mind that they're juggling, they're remembering. They didn't take notes of my mother, my father, this, that. It's sort of all written in there. It's like they've got a whole computer terminal. They are uh, uh, with a tremendous hard drive in there that was making connections all the time. And they're walking around and doing things all the time, buying a newspaper, getting a lunch, finding their seat, putting their stuff up, all the while juggling all of their stories. Um, I think it's incredible that we do that and we stay in a good mood about it. Most people, most people not only stay in a good mood because I think people are pri primarily inclined to be companionable, but also I think there's a wisdom of trying to keep yourself in a good mood uh, because then you can connect with somebody. It's not so lonely going around this back and forth and up and down through all the, the stuff of life. We don't have to tell everybody all of our dramas. We can just assume they've got a drama just as I've got a drama. If you ask the person next to you in the plane, what's your drama? <laughs> Everybody's got an enormous drama. Everybody's got an enormous drama. And if they're honest uh, and they tell you about it, well, you know, my, uh, my daughter's home from school because... Uh, she had some sort of a nervous breakdown and uh, that really has exacerbated my situation with my partner at home and uh, at the same time my dog has diabetes and I mean people have very very complicated lives and they keep on doing them. The, my grandfather used to tell a, um, a European folk tale that uh, uh, some uh, magic uh, magic personage came to a town and said tomorrow I am the magic personage who removes uh, who will uh, really take all the burdens from your life put all your go home put all of your burdens into a huge sack and bring them to the town square tomorrow morning uh, at 6 a.m. as the sun rises everybody goes home packs all their burdens and somehow in a huge sack puts them and brings them to the middle of the town and this magic angel floats over the town and says, okay, now here's your chance. You can take anybody else's sack. And everybody quickly scrutinizes what's in everybody else's sack and grabs their own sack and runs home with it because they are familiar with the contents of their own sack and they're attached to the contents of their own sack. Want somebody else's sack. But they get to see also that everybody's got a sack. Anybody here doesn't have a sack? <laughs> I think that the, the side story of that particular story, which I just now got, you know, I heard that story for the first time probably 70 years ago, 68 years ago when I was old enough to get it. I probably heard it because I heard it a lot. Um, but there's two parts to the story. Not The obvious part is everybody's got a sack of troubles, but that it's somehow... Um, builds confidence in people and um, courage to know I'm not alone with my sack of troubles and that, uh, it, uh, uh, th that this is the way life is. Everybody's got a drama that they have to play out one way or another. Um, this is a drama that I brought to show you just because... Let's see if I can open this. Many of you know that my elder son uh, uh, rode in the AIDS rides, the AIDS cycle, life cycle ride from uh, San Francisco to uh, Los Angeles last month with 2,200 and some other people. They rode uh, from San Francisco from the Cow Palace to downtown Los Angeles. And everybody, many people here, uh, had people support them in the ride so that of all these riders, they, they collected more than $10 million for AIDS research. And uh, you know, the, 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 the riders are uh, all people who want to ride on behalf of a good cause. Uh, one of the people who has ridden, uh, I think there have been 14 rides so far, 13 of the 14 rides is a, um, a man who is, um, I think, positive for HIV, but not with 
currently AIDS, positive for HIV, who's been riding for all these rides, who's uh, distinguishing, uh, he's very well known as he was, a, he was an organizer and uh, a big um, a spirit, uh, 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 like a spirit pep team on all of the rides because he had a disguise. He rode in a costume of a chicken. <laughs> and so, the, hence the egg, you know. Uh, and so he got to be known as Chicken Lady, and he rode the first 12 rides. Uh, and he's wearing one of those uh, shirts that says Positive Peddler on it. Well, there are a lot of people wearing Positive Peddler shirts, of people who have positive raids, who are staying well and still riding. And a year ago, not this ride, but the ride before, before the ride, um, sometime before the ride, he had a stroke. He had a really substantial stroke, not an accident, he had a stroke. And he was paralyzed on a, a, a half of his body. He couldn't talk, and they told him that he probably wouldn't talk again, and he certainly wouldn't ride again. And he decided otherwise. And shortly thereafter, he got his friends to get him on an exercise as soon as his health was under control, and he started to work out on that exercise. And a year went by, and he rode this year. And he rode from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And, um, and he talks, and he wears his costume. And um, on the last morning of the ride, when people woke up in Ventura, wherever it was, when they ride from there into Los Angeles, there were 2,200 bicycles all parked in the way that they you know, have slots and they park them. And um, with a rubber band fastened to the seat of every one of the bicycles, there was an egg. There were 2,200 plastic eggs, one at a time, rubber banded onto the seats. Now someone assumes that uh, he got someone to help him with the 2,200 rubber bands. And inside of every one, this is called the life, uh, the life cycle ride. So there's a lifesaver in it. There's a lifesaver in it. Um, there's a picture of this particular man in his outfit. And it says, um, be the change you wish to see in the world, Mahatma Gandhi. And uh, then it says, uh, thank you, cheers, gracias, merci, danke, grazie. Arigato, uh, salamat, shukran, shukran. What is that? Was that Arabic? Kiitos. I don't know what that is. Then it says, "A world of thanks to help make the ch a world of thanks to help make the change, Chicken Lady." And uh, and there was one on every bicycle, twenty two hundred of them. So the the idea that accepting the truth and I was and I I've been carrying it around for now a month or however long I've been home thinking won't be the right time to tell this egg story. And I was thinking about uh, wanting to make the point that uh, renunciation means really seeing the truth of what is and not not insisting that it shouldn't be that way. It's actually accepting the truth in a full way and saying, now what will I do? That renunciation does not mean uh, capitulation, does not mean not doing anything back. It means doing something back. It means doing whatever you can back to make a difference. Not only, I, I like very much that not only is this on behalf of myself, but on behalf of the world. Uh, that. In fact, I think that that's what gives the life its own spirit. Um, I was reading an article very early this morning uh, advertising a new book called uh, A Life of Atheism, and, or In Defense of Atheism or something. And its point was that uh, the shocking thing, about, uh, the premise, the, at least I read in this description of it, of uh, uh, what's shocking about atheism is that atheism says, you know, that it doesn't posit a meaning to life. You know, if you have a, a religious lineage, they often come with a meaning. The world was created for such a reason, and this is what we're supposed to do. And the, the premise of this book is that things are meaningful when you imbue them with meaning.
they are meaningful because you make them meaningful, because you decide that they're going to be meaningful. You imbue them with meaning. And, you know, there might be another reason. There might be a, 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 a religious truth or some other truth or some philosophical truth that it has an inherent meaning, which we can or cannot prove. But the, whether or not that's true, to be able to say the meaning that gives one's life actually uh, a purpose and a sense of drive is the meaning that you assign to it. Say, so this, is, this is what makes it meaningful to me. I make a difference on behalf of all other people, that what I do is not separate from the whole world. That, that uh, I think about the ripple of uh, this, this man putting the 22 eggs now, I am one of the many, many people, I am at least one of 2,200 people who know about these eggs. So here I'm telling you, and maybe there's 80 people here, and maybe you each go and tell two people who go and tell other people. And uh, the, the message that people can spread a message of positive change, that's a possibility. That may be the most important message in the whole world these days, the, 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 the fact that the whole world can talk to itself um, through the Internet in a way that it couldn't before. Really, in a way that it couldn't before, and quite out of the grasp of any media that owns it. It's very exciting now. You know, there's a lot of talk about there's no real news source because everything is bought and everybody presents the news in order to fulfill some sort of political or economic agenda. But that's if, you, if, you're, if you're getting your news off some source that's owned by somebody. But the Internet isn't owned by anybody. Anybody gets access into the Internet. And so what if we... Uh, what and I, this is, I, I take tremendous hope from the idea that people will begin to say to each other, "We can do things a different way. We will." Um, I'm thinking about renouncing. We'll renounce the spendthrift ways we've had of despoiling the planet, of using things up. You know, we'll we'll do different things. We'll do things differently. We'll ride bicycles. We'll stay home. We'll do this, we'll do that, we'll make a difference. It's our planet, it's our nest. It's a very big nest. Um, I had one more thing that I wanted to tell you, and then I have something that uh, I think that, uh, whoops, something that I think we could, we could do as a, as a group thing. Thank you very much. I wanted to talk about, um, thank you. I think it was Betty who gave me this last week, the four agreements, yeah, of uh, um, Don Miguel Ruiz, born and raised in rural Mexico. Uh, his uh, uh, a mother, a Toltec faith healer, um, and his grandfather, a Toltec shaman. And he had a conventional education and spent several years as a surgeon and uh, wrote a book called The Four Agreements. Um, and these are the four agreements. So I, I thought you might think about them for a minute, yeah, because maybe this is one way to reposition these 10 parameters uh, before uh, I go for, uh, away for a month and come back again. The, the idea that there are certain things that are true, like the Four Noble Truths, or, uh, are not really Buddhist statements, they're human statements. Um, codes of ethics, when you think about the Ten Commandments or the Buddhist precepts, they're not Buddhist precepts, they're people precepts. So anyway, listen to these agreements, and this is Don, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's Guidance for Life. Uh, and I'm going to read these four agreements to you, and you think about which one... Uh, which one do you think, which, if you had to say something about one of them, in agreement and support, and think about whether it would be A, B, C, or D. <clears throat> I'll try to do it in a neutral way. Number one. <laughs> I am neutral. Be impeccable with your word. Uh, 
Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. That's number one. Impeccable with word. That's agreement one. Agreement two, do not take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. <laughs> okay, that's agreement two. Agreement three. You can notice whether or not these agreements are easy. <laughs> Don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, or drama. With this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. That's agreement three. Agreement four, always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. What do you think? Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you want? The don't, the don't take it personal. So what do you want to say about that? <laughs> um, it seems like the hardest one to do in a lot of ways, but the one that would provide the most peace in the world and the most peace to each individual. So what do you think? Do you want, do you want to hear number two again, agreement two? Mm -hmm. Don't take anything personally. Not, uh, you know, the Taoists would say, there's a line in the Tao Te Ching that says, uh, the person of Tao is not affected by praise or blame. Mm -hmm. Anybody here not affected by praise or blame? <laughs> it's a big sigh. Which one more? Oh, blame. Oh, blame. Oh, blame. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Person, okay, but do not take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. So could you say... A personal statement. Could you make up one about like a a, a, a real life situation? Your uh, eighteen year old daughter calls you from college and says, "I'm having a terrible time here. I'm so depressed. I really think you, if you would have raised me up and told me what to do better, and I had more of an idea how to be socially appropriate, I'd be okay here. And as it is, I'm suffering terribly, and I think I made a mistake." and I didn't get good counseling, and I don't know what to do now, and uh, sorry you're not home, I'm leaving this message on your machine. <laughs> so, what do you do when you pick up that message after you stand up from the floor? You know, that, uh, I, I made that up, but that's, you know. But, but, did, did, so, but you make up one, go ahead. <laughs> I, I won't go into details, but my son blamed me for something that cut me to my heart. Just cut me to my heart, and it wasn't my fault. Yeah. It and once I went through a lot of tears and got to that place where, oh, this isn't my fault. This is his fault. This is his problem. And I was able to step out of it. But it took a lot of work in a 24-hour period. That's all? 24 it's, hours? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's for the immediate situation yeah. to, to, to step 
said, this isn't about me. He's trying to make it about me, but it really isn't about mm. me. Thank you very much. It's very courageous to share. Roz. The thing that comes to mind is something we said before we sat as far as um, is that with my kids, what they remember as something that may have been harmful to them is something I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Something I remember that I think may have been harm to them, they don't remember. Mm -hmm. So it, in bringing that into this, it isn't really personal. I actually heard a man recently giving a talk one night and he started out by saying um, my brother and I grew up in different families yeah. and I thought oh they must have been separated at birth but they weren't separated at birth they just grew up in different families you know? so what, what were we going to say Susan But how do you go from that um, knowledge to just um, kind of taking care of yourself so that people don't deposit whatever they want to on top of you? That's a tricky thing. It's very tricky. What's your name? Kasha. Kasha. What would you like to say to Kasha about how do you do that? Keep your answering machine on. <laughs> <laughs> It helps not to get defensive. It helps not to get defensive. I think it helps a lot for, at least what works for me, what works for me, because I can say, well, when that happened to me in X, Y, and Z. If I say to myself, I, my intention was good. My intention was good. I, I wish no ill. If it came out bad, I, I'm, you know, I'm sincerely contrite. Uh, and you know, may I be peaceful? May my child be peaceful? Uh, to, uh, I think it falls down on compassion and praying for ourselves and other people at the end of the. Uh, the that that's all that's left. You know, we're stumbling around doing the best we can. Um, how about one of the other? Th oh, Brendan. I have one kind of question about that one. Is like when I think of praise and I think of blame. I think of um, not having to do with specifics, but more uh, a feeling of anger or a feeling of uh, love, and so it's more of an emotion. But about practical matters, it seems like some of the things that I do do benefit other people or harm them. And so if we can talk to each other about what benefit, what did I do that benefited you or what did I do that harmed you, uh -huh. then I can learn from that. And so... Um, I'm not sure quite uh, how that fits in there because I do want to take responsibility for the way I affect other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, that's very important. I'm also thinking for myself, the whole point about telling somebody, we've just come through a, a, a very uh, extended period uh, in the world consciousness in terms of psychological awareness, you know? Well, in the 1970s and 1980s, we took unquestionably the idea that it was important to say to people, I need now to let you know how I feel. <laughs> Before that, people didn't do that so much. They held it in, you know? Uh, now maybe, and then there was a whole psychology based on if you held that in and you repressed it, it wasn't good for you. And then the, the psychology eventually corrected itself to say, uh, it's not good for you not to let yourself know how you feel about things, not to live a short, you know, not to live in delusion about how you feel. But maybe it's not so necessary to make a general broadcast. Maybe other people don't need to know. Maybe it's not good to put all that information out. 
So we're sort of sorting it out after 50 years of a lot of tremendous hurting of feelings when people said, um, I, you've probably heard me say on more than one of occasion, more than one occasion, that when I'm in a meeting and someone says, uh, well, I just have to put this out now, I think to myself, you don't have to put this out now. <laughs> you are choosing to put this out now. Now, we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, past two years old, where you blurt things out, you have a choice of whether or not you put them out. Uh, one of the one of the monks' rules in the Buddha's monks' rules is before admonishing ever one should reflect: Is this a good time for me to talk? Not should I put this out or not? Is this a good time? And is my putting this out for that other person's benefit or loss? Before we lose track of these other two, uh, let's speak with integrity. Everybody didn't have a problem. That 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 really speaks for itself. Tell the truth. Uh, Say only what you mean. I guess that means uh, don't don't put things like a, like in an ambiguous an ambiguous way or in an innuendo or I don't know what do you think that means. Say only what you mean. Don't speak against yourself or gossip about others. Don't play games. Don't play games. You know what I always I find such an interesting turn of phrase. I catch myself doing it, but it's, 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 it's usually in a good circumstance where I'm very happy that something has happened, and I start to say to somebody, "I can't tell you how happy I am that that blah blah blah." And then I think to myself, "Yes, I can." You know, you start the sentence again. You say, "I am tremendously happy that." I mean, why can't I? You know, it's just a, it's just a peculiar. Uh, or you won't believe how fantastic that. Why not? You know, say I'm going to tell you something that's going to seem unbelievable, but it was actually true, and it's great. You know, why why condition something in a funny way? We have a lot of different turns of phrase that are very strange. How about always do your best? Yeah. You know, it sounds a little bit like a like a Girl Scout oath, but always do your best. Um, then you will avoid self-judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that kind of ties into number two in a way. What do you mean? Because if you're, if you're always doing your best, then it doesn't matter if you get praise or blame. You, are, you know that you are always doing your best. And then if somebody blames you for something, you can't, you can't take it personally because you're doing your best. Yeah, yeah. Same with, with praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and best is interesting, isn't it? I see what Maggie wants to say, because I'm going to come back with the best. What, Maggie? Well, I was just thinking, <clears throat> like, a lot of times when I'm not, when my best is lower than my highest best, <laughs> that makes sense? I'll, I'll think, I'll know. I know what it feels like to have my highest best, and I'll think, I'm not able to do that, and that's where, I'm, that's where I get, that's where it's difficult for mm -hmm. me, because... I, I know at this moment I can only do this well, but I could do better in another moment. So that I, that's where I kind of get trip myself up about the guilt. But, you know, I think that uh, uh, Rebecca said a wonderful thing this morning when she said, at this point it'll be better if Ruby's asleep because the best she can do at this time of the morning with, you know, is asleep at this point she said in order to handle a big group. If it was sick, for instance, you, you do a different best. Mm -hmm. If you're tired, you do a different. Mm -hmm. That's the best you can do under the circumstances. You always think of what are the circumstances, you know. The karma of things is so... That's, a, that's an interesting place. This is the place I was going to start, but it'll have to be the place that I end. <laughs> because this is... Yeah. Because, I mean, how do I know if I'm doing my best? One way would be, as Maggie was saying, if something was measurable. For example, if I'm walking and I've, in the morning and I've just gotten up, I can walk a certain route in a certain amount of time, but I can't do the same time on the same route at night after a full day of work. 
and I know that, so I can measure one against the other. But my question is, have I made the effort? And how do I know uh -huh. that I've made that effort? Uh -huh. So that's where that, that becomes kind of tricky. Uh -huh. How do you measure effort? It's, it's you know, your time you can measure. Your distance you can measure. Uh -huh. You're talking about something measurable. But when you're talking about effort, uh -huh. it's a judgment. Well, you know, I'm very interested. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to come on one of the weeks that uh, that uh, Donald is talking about judgments because I know he talks a lot about judgments and he's been thinking about writing about because even the judgment, this is my best, or uh, uh, this is my best for now. Uh, there's a line in one of the meta resolves that came up in my mind just as you were speaking where you say, the, 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 I think this is the closest to the true translation, is uh, may I f be free of danger, may my mind be happy, may my body be well, may I take care of myself happily. Mm -hmm. And maybe it has to do with taking care of myself happily. Back to Sogyo Rinpoche, uh, uh, Mingyo Rinpoche, Say, so I'm going to answer your question just as soon as we have a brief break now, you know, and uh, he's off to take care of himself happily, may, you know, keeping in mind the exigencies of the community and what are my own needs at a certain time. It's just all very interesting. Could you repeat that prayer you just said? May I be f free of danger. May my mind be happy. May my body be well. May I take care of myself happily. Thank you. Um, you know, there was, I live up in Sonoma County. I was going to start with this and tell this to you. I hope this is not like a, it's just a thing thing. It's not a sad thing. It's a thing thing. And we won't see each other for a month. I, w I live up in Sonoma County, and on um, uh, Sunday they w there was the Vine Man uh, uh, triathlon. So they had a bunch, a bunch of competitors out there, and they swim four miles, and then they bicycle a hundred and something miles, and then they uh, run 26 miles. A triathlon is a huge event. And the triathletes are in great shape. You just don't come out casually to do an event like that. And uh, they were on the back side of uh, East Side Road, and a, a big uh, limb off an oak tree fell down on three of them. And nobody got killed, but they got quite hurt, these three people going along. And it's one of those things where everybody did everything perfect. They, you know, they worked out, they were in good shape, the police were monitoring the route. The weather was perfect. It wasn't raining. The route wasn't slippery. Those oak trees have been standing there for 150 years. Nothing except the karma of being under that oak tree at that second, not a minute before or a minute later. And um, when I th you think about it and you think, for me, uh, one of the things that I'm increasingly thinking about that like uh, rescues my mind from some sort of self-absorbed story, this thing isn't going right, it should be like this, it should be like that, is the awareness that everything is just exactly the way it is for such enormous karmic reasons that I couldn't possibly begin to even... Uh, the Buddha called karma one of the imponderables. I couldn't begin to ponder that the the uh, the uh, the helpful reflection back from things are so vastly determined is there is this moment how can I rise how can I be alive in it now fully without a problem can I live this moment fully because it's the moment <clears throat> I've got there's something about that I don't come away from I hope I told that story right because I, what I wanted to what I wanted to the point I, I left from hearing that story is that this whole business of life is awesome. The whole business, not the, not the stuff of the drama, the fact of the drama, the fact that that happened, 
that it was those people and not these people, that there's somebody who was the last person to run out from under that tree and the first person who wasn't after them under that tree. And the whole thing is so enormous. They whoa. And then there's nothing left but this moment. And how can I be in it with kindness and, and with, um, with some sort of thanksgiving? So I want to tell you that I am very thankful for you for all these many years. Thank you very much for the birthday party and for the greeting and for your uh, being here as a community for each other all these years. How many people have been here part of this community for more than five years? Or 10? How many people came today for the first time? How many people are somewhere in between? Long may we wave, all of us here together. Really, we need to have a place where we come together and say, this is an extraordinary business, this life. You know, there's a, there was a picture on the cover of one of the newspapers this weekend with a polar bear standing, where was it, with his four, poor, four paws bunched up on one tiny little piece of iceberg that it was standing on. It was so heartbreaking. We live in precarious, you know, times between worlds. May we make a difference in it, all of us. May we somehow keep our courage up so that each of us does something for the good of everybody else in it. And may we take care of each other and ourselves happily. And may the merit of our practice and of our being together with good intention be offered freely for the well-being of all beings everywhere. May all beings everywhere be peaceful and happy and come to the end of suffering. And I'll see you in the end of... Uh... It's also Susan's birthday yesterday or tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> and yours. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.